All right, all right. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast. Another episode on the way, and the Euro 2020 is finally in full motion. First games of each group stage are dealt with, and some teams are already on their second matchups as we speak. This week's episode will be packed and dedicated to the Euros, despite the fact that we will start by looking at the UFC 263, which occurred last weekend. So don't be afraid, we will go through each individual group eventually. We are also sneaking towards the NHL expansion and entry drafts, which are held in the end of July. So you can expect to hear about those topics in the next coming weeks as well. My main goal is to focus mostly on the hockey scene, but as you can see, I want to give other sports some attention alongside hockey coverage, since I enjoy the European-American sports scenes. The first five episodes quite well reflect on the sports I'm going to cover in the future as well, so if you've enjoyed so far and want me to touch upon some other sport more in depth, or you have other sport-related topics you want me to cover, hit me up on my social media and I will gladly take suggestions for the future episodes because after all this is made for your entertainment purpose. Also if you want to support my journey show this episode some love on your social media and tell your friends that there's a new pigeon on the sport podcast scene. My media handles can be found in the podcast description. But enough of me rambling you know what's coming. So, without further ado, let's get going. Alright. First things first, I quickly want to touch upon the UFC 263 before heading into the Euros, since the rest of the episode will be dedicated to jinxing every other team besides the fence. We saw some electrifying fights this weekend in Glendale, Arizona and even crowned a new division champion. First noteworthy match was in lightweight division where Terence McKinney knocked out Matt Frivola in almost record-breaking time. The one-two combo of the Spokane native McKinney dropped Frivola after only 7 seconds in the first round. And this was an impressive start to his UFC journey and I'm expecting him back in the octagon pretty soon. Next up we had the highly anticipated bout in the featherweight division where Russian Movzar Evloev and Hakim Davodu, both relatively young and promising talents, but the fight was pure dominance from the Russian Evloev. He looked like a top 15 contender and presented good stand-up game but especially excelled on the ground. His powering grappling ability and strong wrestling background showed why he's one of the most dangerous upcoming talents in the featherweight division. He had few chances to end the fight via submission but Davodu was able to defend those attempts and at the end he won by unanimous decision after dominating the fight on the ground for 3 rounds. He rose to 13th spot in the rankings and I see him contending for the title in 2022. The last notable fight in the prelims was the battle between Brad Riddell and Drew Dober, which went for three rounds in lightweight division and ended in a unanimous decision for the New Zealand native Riddell. This was an entertaining fight and to be honest I expected more from Dober, but 
overall Riddle just outclassed him in this fight. Dober showed some resilience in the last round, but it wasn't enough to win the fight. Riddle kept his 13th spot on the rankings and will probably take on top 10 contender in his next fight. Then we move on to the main card where first fight showcased a grappling clinic in light heavyweight division. The fight ended in the first round by technical submission which was quite hard to look at when it happened. Scottish native Paul Craig trapped Jamal Hale's arm and cranked it out of his joint which was pretty brutal to look at. But the good news was that Hill's arm didn't have any major damage and it was placed back after the fight, but we can expect pretty lengthy recovery after such a brutal injury. Craig keeps climbing the light heavyweight ranking and got a performance of the night bonus from his fight. He will most certainly take on one of the top 10 contenders in his next fight and we'll see if that opponent will be able to handle Craig's high-end jiu-jitsu. In the next fight, Belal Muhammad took on veteran Demian Maya in welterweight division and this was a stepping stone for Muhammad for the more serious challengers in the division. The match was relatively close after the first round but ended for Muhammad by unanimous decision. It was nice to see the legend of the sport put on probably one of the last fights of his career and ended with respectable performance against a top 10 challenger. The same can be said in the other welterweight matchup between third rank Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. And like I anticipated, Edwards picked Diaz apart throughout the fight and won by decision and looked like a title contender while doing it. He was calm and composed and didn't entertain Diaz with recklessness which he was hoping for. Edwards landed few heavy shots and caught Diaz with a nasty elbow. But as we know, Nate Diaz has one of the best gins in the sport and took them like a professional. On the other hand, Diaz landed one in the last minute of the match, which shook Edwards quite tremendously, but eventually couldn't end the fight in the remaining seconds in the last round. All in all... Diaz didn't have it in him to take back the spot in the top 15 and Edwards put on a clinic. He will face Kamaru Usman in the near future and that will be an interesting matchup since Usman has been dominating the division for a relatively long time now and haven't seen that big of a threat for his belt. I don't see Edwards winning the title but expect him to make a run for Usman's welterweight belt. And then... We head on to the last two remaining fights, where titles were on the line. First was the match between Mexican Brandon Moreno and Brazilian Davison Figueiredo in one of the most competitive divisions in the UFC. I expected Figueiredo to bounce back from its previous fight against Moreno, but the exact opposite happened. He looked like a deer in the headlights from the start and Moreno swarmed him till the end. He showed some of his well-known aggressiveness in the second round, but Moreno just wanted him more and eventually took his back and ended the fight via a rear naked choke in the third round. Moreno shined on the ground and was the dominant one when grappling. I wasn't surprised by the performance of Moreno, but more so disappointed that one of the most brutal champs in the sport couldn't put up better display when it mattered the most. After the fight... Figueiredo teased the audience with possible rematch between these two, but 
I expect Moreno the first defend his belt against another top three challenger. Moreno became the first Mexican champion that still lives inside the borders and he was extremely humbled and emotional after his title winning fight. So big congrats to the babyface assassin. The last fight was a total showcase of Israel Adesanya's skill set and his opponent Marvin Vettori wasn't even close to winning this one. Izzy punished Vettori with leg kicks throughout the fight and completely dominated the events in the octagon. He mixed his strikes well and kept the Italian guessing throughout the fight. Vettori had many takedown attempts, but after the Blahovic fight, Izzy got those down as well and defended almost all of them with relative ease. This fight was a total dominance like I anticipated and the next fight for the last title bender will be a rematch against Australian Robert Whittaker for the middleweight title. Overall they put up a very entertaining card and next time we will see probably the end to a trilogy between the notorious Conor McGregor and number one ranked challenger Dustin the Diamond Poirier on July 11th in UFC 264. And that's all from the UFC because now we will move on to the main topic of this episode and that is the UEFA Euro 2020 tournament. We will go through each group individually and make points on the most notable matters concerning each team. So with that said, let's get underway. In the group A, the four teams are Italy, Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. Wales played the Swiss in their first match which ended in a draw and in their second match they won Turkey by the score of 2-0. They have few notable players in their squad, United youngster Daniel James, Juventus midfielder Aaron Ramsey and Spurs players Ben Davies and Gareth Bale. Their striker Giefer Moore is one interesting player to watch since he's one of the most underrated finishers in this tournament and showed his skills already in their first match. The Swiss on the other hand have few more notable players and their team is led by the veteran Cerdan Shakiri. They have very underrated goaltender in Jan Sommer. Their defense is relatively solid. Kevin Mbappu, Nico Elvedi, Manuel Kanji, Fabien Scher and veteran Ricardo Rodriguez are their key pieces. And their midfield has some solid depth as well. Denis Zakaria, Granit Xhaka, Remo Freuler man the midfield. And their offense is underrated and heavily relied upon the 24-year-old Brel Mbolo. Their second game against Italy was a total blowout and it was hard to see them struggle against such a dominant opponent. They will have a tough time trying to advance to the next round after the loss to Italy, but since they will face the winning last Turkey in their last match, it will decide who takes the third spot in this group. Turkey is similar to Wales in a sense that they have few solid pieces but overall are lacking in depth. Leicester centre-back Kaklar Soyuncu and Milan midfielder Hakan Chalhanoglu are their star players, but they have few young players in their lineup which could lead the team in the next coming years. I predict them losing to the Swiss in their last match and thus getting knocked out of the tournament. Last team in the group we have Roberto Mancini's Italian squad which is expected to make its way easily out of the group stage. 
They won both of their first two games by the score of 3 to nothing, and this is the level we expect from one of the European giants. They have good mix of youth and experience and they don't have any flagrant holes in their lineup. The expectation for them at this point is to reach the final, but nationally nothing less than winning the Euros would be accepted. Italy's squad is led by the veteran Giorgio Giellini, Napoli forward Lorenzo Insigne and one of the most lethal strikers in the game, Ciro Immobile. They have depth in all positions but are not filled with stars like France or Germany. Nicola Barella is one of the most exciting young players in Europe. Manuel Locatelli is starting to fill his high expectations. And the midfield is completed with one of the best players in this season in Premier League, Chelsea's Jorginho. Also, Domenico Berardi has been slaying in the Serie A the past few years in Sassuolo. And their goalkeeper Gianluigi Donnarumma is one of the top keepers in Europe. I expect Italy to win the group, no surprise there. And the second team advancing for me would have been the Switzerland, but since they tied their first game against Wales and lost their second game against Italy, they will battle with Turkey for the third spot in this group. Who lost to both Wales and Italy, so the third spot of the group will be decided in the last game. The most important group for us Finns is the group B, which holds Belgium, Denmark, Finland and Russia. Belgium is one of the favorites to win the tournament because of their deep and star-studded lineup and they showcased their level in the first match against the Russians. Their starting 11 is very strong, even without injured Kevin De Bruyne and they have some dead pieces on their bench as well. For example, Eden Hazard and Thomas Monier were on their bench in the first game. Thibaut Courtois is definitely one of the best goalies in this tournament. Defensive line of Jan Mertongen, Dedrick Boyata and Spurs centre-back Toby Alderweireld is fairly strong. Young Juri Tillemans leads their midfield in the absence of De Bruyne and their three forwards. Yannick Carrasco, Dries Mertens and Romelu Lukaku who scored twice against the Russians can create scoring chances when they get the ball in their offensive end. Russia has three points so far in the tournament and after the defeat against Belgium they bounced back and beat Finland by the score of 1-0. Their leading players are right back Mario Fernandez, Monaco midfielder Alexander Golovin, Alexei Miranchuk and towering forward Artem Zuba. Their offense is heavily relied upon those three previously mentioned and their success depends on the output of those guys. They will probably advance after winning the fence to the next round but their position will heavily rely on the outcome of the game between Belgium and Denmark. Denmark lost its first game to the Finns as I mentioned and it has to be said that all support goes to the star Christian Eriksen and his recovery. It was a relief to see that he's okay after such a horrific event. And also, I want to give credit to the medical staff on the stadium for their quick and decisive reaction. The Danes have solid squad and in some predictions they are one of the favorites to advance to the later rounds of the tournament. But after losing key piece of their midfield, I can see them challenging the top four. They have good call tender in Kasper Smeichel. Solid defenders in Champions League winner 
Andreas Christensen, Milan defender Simon Kier and wingback Joachim Mele. Better midfield is their strong suit. Dortmund's Thomas Delaney, Spurs midfielder, Bill Emil Hoybjerg, and Valencia's Daniel Vaz, who had a stellar season in La Liga, complete their midfield. They also have pretty good depth in forward territory since they have the ability to rotate Leipzig forward Yusuf Poulsen, Martin Braithwaite, Andreas Cornelius, Robert Skov, and Kasper Dolberg. They will battle with the fence for the third spot and the deciding game can't be their last one against the Russians. And the last, but not the least, we have the fence who made history by winning Denmark in their first ever European Championship game with score of 1-0 last weekend. Joel Pohjanpalo has been their engine up top and so far his partner Teemu Pukki has been pretty quiet but that is expected given the fact that the teams know his goal scoring ability and he has been marked very heavily in both games. Robin Lord and Glenn Kamara established good two-way presence in their midfield and their defense alongside Lukas Radecki have done their jobs. Especially Paulus Arajuri and their wingback Jesse Uronen have been solid in their two games and saved the fence from few dangerous scoring chances. Their defensive style of play has enabled them to challenge the bigger nations and secured their spot in the Euros as well. They might only need one chance to capitalize on it, but when they get scored on, it's an uphill battle from that point on, and it really showed against the Russians. Although their defense has been solid, their passing and play going forward has left some to desire and their last game against Belgium will test that big time. The defeat against the Russians was a big blow to them since even with a draw they could have had the chance to solidify their spot in top 3 but now the last game against the rock solid Belgium team is very important. In my mind all three teams besides Belgium have the chance to advance since Denmark has only played one game and they will face up against Russia in their last match show. That could end up being the deciding game for this group. I'll predict that Belgium will take this group. Russia will advance as the second seed and Finland will be the last team to advance with a better goal difference. In the group C we have Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia and Ukraine. And to be completely honest this is the least exciting group in the tournament. North Macedonia in my mind doesn't have any chance to advance and now that's out of the way already. They have few players in the top 5 European leagues but they lack the star power. 37 year old Joran Pandev is their leading force. Elif Elmas and Enis Pardi lead their midfield and in defense they have Stefan Ristovski and leads left back Esjan Alioski but other than that they don't have relatively big names in their squad. Ukraine's squad mostly consists of players from Shakhtar Donetsk and Dynamo Kiev, but they have few exemptions as well. Andrei Yarmolenko from West Ham operates in their offense, Ruslan Malinovsky holds their midfield, and Manchester City wingback Alexander Tinchenko is their star on defense. They will probably take the third spot in this group and fight to advance with other three seed teams. 
Austria, on the other hand, will fight for the top spot, but I see them taking the second spot this time around. They don't have the star power in this squad, but are above average on paper. They have relatively solid defense led by David Alaba and Martin Hinteregger. Their midfield is their strength, where they have depth in likes of Leipzig's Marcel Sabitzer and Konrad Leimer, Julian Baumgartlinger, Valentin Lazaro, Javer Slager and Florian Grilic, but their offense is lacking in the absence of Marko Arnautovic. Youngster Sasa Kalajic has been quite impressive all season, and Karim Onisiwo, as well as Michael Gregoric, add competence to their offense. They've only played against Macedonia at this point, so once they face up against the Netherlands, we can see what their level is against the top teams. Speaking of which, the Dutch are in my mind the favorites to win this group, and are my dark horse candidate to win this competition. The only big concern is their goaltending, since their number one goalie, Jasper Chilesen, was ruled out of the competition after testing positive for COVID in late May. Martin Stekelenburg is their starter once again, and the hope is that their defense will hold in the absence of the Valencia goalkeeper. They have been rebuilding their national team for a few years now, and it has finally started to blossom since they have overall pretty young team, which has already established themselves in the European grounds. In their back end, they have likes of Stefan de Vrij, Nathan Ake, Denzel Dumfries and Owen Weindahl, alongside veterans Daily Blind and Patrick van Aanholt. One of their young stars, Mathis Delict, missed their opening game while recovering from an injury, but after he is back in their lineup, they have a quite solid back end. They have only few players assigned to midfield spot, but they are very, very solid in their own right. Jorginho Wijnaldum, Frankie de Jong, Don Coop Miners and Martin Deron are the key pieces, and in offense, they have plenty of offensive talent for them to use. Memphis Depay is one of the most lethal strikers in Europe, and he pairs up with towering Wolfsburg striker Walt Weghorst. In addition, they have talent on the wings as well, in Quincy Promise and Steven Berghuis, and secondary strikers Daniel Malen and Luke de Jong complement the offense for the Dutch. And like I said, Netherlands will take the first spot, Austria will advance as the number two seed, and Ukraine will take the third spot and fight for the spot in the next round, is my prediction for this group. The Group D consists of Croatia, Czech Republic, England and Scotland. And the favorite, without a doubt, is the England squad. And their win against Croatia showed why everyone has such high expectations for the team. Everton goalkeeper Jordan Pickford is between the pipes. In defense, they have plenty of depth. Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker are the standouts. In midfield, the same thing goes. Phil Foden, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Mason Mount to name a few. And up front, they have plenty of scoring power. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Marcus Rashford, Jadon Sancho, Raheem Sterling, and it is topped off by the Spurs striker Harry Kane. Currently, they even have Jack Grealish out of their lineup because of an injury, but 
overall they have similar kind of squad as Italians in the sense of good mix between experience and youth. I would also say that they have probably the most exciting and promising young players in this year's tournament. Dortmund's youngster Jude Bellingham in the age of 17 already made his debut. Phil Foden has established himself in the Prem alongside Mason Mount. Declan Rice and Bukayo Saka are on the verge of breaking through. And up front, Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho are one of the most highly touted young players in Europe. So we'll see how far this team can go this year. Since they have such high expectations as I said. But at worst they will get to the next round. And that's for sure. I might jinx it but it ain't coming home this year. Sorry England fans. I would be more than delighted to see them taking the trophy. But I just can't see them winning yet this year. Czechs also won their first match against Scotland and thus leads the group after one game. They have pretty average team on paper, but they took out the Scots with quite large margin. They have solid goaltender in Sevilla's Tomas Vaclik, but their defense isn't as solid. Vladimir Kufal and Pavel Kadarebek are their standouts in the back end, but other than that, not really big names alongside them. In the midfield, they have few solid players in West Ham's defensive midfielder, Tomas Suchek, Hertas midfielder Vladimir Darida, Jakub Jankto and Antonin Barak who both play in Serie A and young Alex Kral has established himself in their starting lineup. Up front their biggest name is Leverkusen striker Patrick Schick who scored both goals for them in their first game and in addition to that they have one of the brightest Czech prospects on their bench. 18-year-old Adam Loschek. In the end, I see them clinching the third spot in this group, fighting for the spot in the next stage. Croatia lost their first match against English side, but they have the talent to get to the top two spots in this group. The goaltending is their weakest spot, but it is compensated on the other areas of the pitch. They don't have as solid defense as few years ago since their top center backs Dejan Lovren and Domagoj Vida are at the back end of their careers and also Lovren is currently out because of a muscle injury. They have prospects Duje Kaletakar and Josko Guardiol stepping up to their squad and they will be their top center backs in the coming years. And alongside them they have Sime Vershalko who is their top wing back and will play heavy minutes in their back end. Croatians are especially known for their solid midfield and it is led by the maestro Luka Modric. He's complimented by Chelsea midfielder Mateo Kovacic, Inter's Marcelo Brozovic and winger Ivan Perisic. And in offense, their leading horses are Hoffenheim striker Andrei Kramaric and Milan winger Ante Rebic. I expect them to take the number two spot in this group over the Czechs, even though they lost their first game. And lastly, we have the Scotland, who in my mind bit underperformed in their first game against the Czechs. They have relatively good lineup and it is experienced in Premier League football, but they just couldn't find a way to win their first game. 
Their standouts are Liverpool wing-back Andrew Robertson and United midfielder Scott McTominay. But other than that, they have good depth but not stars in their squad. Jay Adams, John McGinn, Stuart Armstrong and Ryan Fraser are already established Prem players, but after losing to the Czechs, it will be an uphill battle to get out of the group stage. So we'll see what happens to them, but I'm not seeing a team making it to the top three in this group. But to summarize my predictions, England will take this group, Croatia number two seed, and last team to possibly advance is the Czech Republic. Then we head on to the group E, where Poland, Slovakia, Spain and Sweden fight for spots to the next round. Slovakia won its first game against Poland by score of 2-1 and on the other match Sweden finished the game against Spain in goalless tie. In my mind Sweden and Slovakia will fight for the last remaining spot to the next round but with Spain experiencing quite remarkable change in their squad since their golden days and Poland losing their first game it's hard to tell who is the clear-cut favorite in this one. Slovakia will probably be the underdog but with win over Poland they have a real chance to advance. Their squad is led by Newcastle goaltender Martin Dubravka, Inter centre-back Milan Skriniar, Napoli midfielder Stanislav Lopotka and the veteran Marek Hamsik, but other than that their squad is pretty average. They can put up a fight against the big nations because of their experience in their starting 11 and pretty solid goaltending. Sweden is pretty similar to Slovakia since they have only few top flight players in their squad and overall are a fairly experienced team in the age category. In goal they have Everton's backup Robin Olsen. Their top defender is United centre-back Viktor Lindelöf and in the midfield they have Sampdoria's Albin Ekdal. But up top they have more promise. Emil Forsberg is their number one threat. But with young Dejan Kulusevski, Robin Quezon and one of the most promising strikers in Alexander Isaac, they combine relatively good upfront presence. They will most likely challenge for the third spot in this group, but unfortunately, I think they will be out of the competition after the group stage. But like I said, it's still pretty wide open. Poland suffered a defeat to the Slovaks in the first game, and better can be, and better can be expected from this group going forward. They have solid roster, and were expected to challenge Spain for the number one spot. Wojciech Czesny is their standout goalie, Jan Bednarek from Southampton is their number one defenseman. In midfield they have former Prem player Gregor Skrzyszowiak and Napoli midfielder Piotr Cielinski. And the squad is topped off by the best goal scorer in Europe, Robert Lewandowski. They are expected to make it out to the next round, but with loss against Slovaks, Lewandowski and others need to dig deep to advance to the next round. Their blessing is that this group is wide open after the first game so they have time to regroup and take their spot on top of this group. And lastly we have the Spain who is in many people's eyes the favorite to win this group, myself included. Their first game didn't show their capability and they ended up tying the game against Sweden. 
they have good young players in their roster mixed in with tournament veterans. Koke, Jordi Alba, Amerik Laporte, David De Gea, Sergio Busquets, Alvaro Morata, Tiago Alcantara and Cesar Azpilicueta. They have the ability to rotate their squad for each matchup, but that didn't come to fruition against the Swedes. Overall, they have very strong squad all the way through their lineup. And I still believe that they will challenge for the number one spot in this group. Young players such as Rodri, Fabian Ruiz, Miguel Oyarzabal, Ferran Torres, Dani Olmo and Pedri are expected to make themselves staples in the Spain squad for the next few years and this might be the welcoming party to the international stage. When it comes to predicting the outcome of this group, after the first game I see Spain taking the top spot, Poland finishing second and Slovakia will beat the Swedes for the third spot with the victory over Poland and possible goal advantage. Lastly, we have the group of death, group F, which has France, Germany, Hungary and Portugal in it. Portugal took out Hungary in their first game by the score of 3-0 and France beat the Germans in a close contest. Hungary isn't expected to make it out of the group states by any means and the other three teams to advance were pretty clear from the start. The Hungarians are led by their goaltender Peter Kulacsi, Leipzig teammate Willy Orban and their captain Adam Zalai. But other than those guys, they don't have relatively big names in their squad and the expectation is that they won't win any games in this tournament. If they find a way to steal a point or two out of these three powerhouses, it will be a win for this team. Germany, on the other hand, is one of the favorites to win this competition and they are deep in all areas of the pitch. The only question mark coming into the Euros was their striker position since Timo Werner hasn't been in goal-scoring form and in their first game they started Serge Gnabry in striker spot but he was in the back pocket of the French defenders almost for the entirety of the game. Goaltending and midfield are their strengths and when you have Manuel Neuer in goal, Thomas Müller, Toni Kroos and Mats Hummels in your squad, you have a chance to win the tournament. But I will come forward with my prediction and say that they will finish in the third spot this year and eventually fight their way through the semi-finals. The number two seed from this group in my papers is the defending European champions Portugal. They ragdolled Hungary in their first game and Cristiano already scored twice in the match. Thus, the first one being a penalty, but nevertheless. They have good starting 11 and some intriguing depth pieces as well. And for example, João Felix was on their bench in the first game. They have good defense, solid midfield, lethal striking options, and in goal, the veteran Rui Patricio. I see them taking the second spot in this group after solid victory over Hungary and their game against Germany will decide the second seed in this one. The last team in this episode will be none other than the favorite to win this competition, Le France. They have probably the deepest roster in this tournament, topped off by the likes of Rafael Varane, Paul Pogba, Engolo Kante and Kylian Mbappe. Nothing else than trophy in this year's competition will be enough and the victory over Germans showed how solid they are throughout. 
This team is my favorite to avenge the defeat in the last European Championships and I will be greatly disappointed if that doesn't happen. But only four of the six third place teams will advance and my prediction is that Germany, Ukraine, Finland and Czech Republic will make their way to the next stage. Only missing teams are the Slovaks and Switzerland. When it comes to predicting the outcome, I see the French taking home the trophy, beating Italy in the final, while Germany and England will conclude the top four of this tournament. But you know what? That's a wrap. Eurojinxing is now done, and next week we can move on to some other topic, but we will probably visit the competition as well since most of the proceeding teams are decided at that point. Thanks once again for listening. This episode ended up being longer than I eventually expected, but this happens when you start to dig deeper on the matter at hand. And like I said, if you've enjoyed so far, show your love on social media and click that follow button on Spotify so you don't miss any weekly episodes and newest sporting headlines. It would be a greatly appreciated. I don't have any specific idea for next week's episode, but... We will figure it out once we get there. But once again, hope you enjoyed. Otherwise, stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.